Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Mornings on CBS Sports Radio. Yeah. 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 Happy being alive day, everybody. Thanks for being with us. A fine Thursday to you. It is a thirsty Thursday. Thirsty Thursday. So we'll do some... Toasts coming up here on the show next hour, but we'll take your toasts throughout this hour as well. Coming up in 20 minutes, one of the most embattled college football coaches, perhaps the hottest of hot seats, Neil Brown, West Virginia head coach. His Big 12 media days are here. And in 40 minutes, it's British bacon time. As Pat Boyle, a.k.a. Tom Doyle, which is slightly more British, it sounds, Tom Doyle takes us through Wimbledon highlights with puns and a distinctly Canadian bacon flair. It's British bacon coming up in 40 minutes from now. One more note on the Buccaneers creamsicle uniform. (laughs) 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 It is awesome that in sports Things are so cyclical that you could almost set your watch to when things will become nostalgic and cool again. Maybe cool because of nostalgia. The Buccaneers' orange creamsicle uniforms were splashy and out of the box in the 70s. By the 80s, when the Buccaneers are terrible, they become laughable. And by the 90s, when the Buccaneers have like 15 years of being the worst franchise in football, they're mocked. And so to turn a page into respectability, and in the late 90s when everything's becoming hyper, cool, sleek, flashy in terms of sports marketing, the Buccaneers feel like they've got to make a change. They go to the pewter, which is fine, but... We've got like a pirate flag, pirate ship theme, and that's already been done by the Raiders. Red and pewter. Pewter's unique enough, but it's kind of like a silver. And they just, they become, they they graduate to the point of their lives where, don't look at us. We don't want the attention. You know, there's a point in your life where you're young and you're like, I want everybody to look at me. And then you graduate to a point in time, maybe like you're adolescent, and you're like, don't look at me. 
And that's where the Buccaneers got to when they won a Super Bowl with those uniforms. But then, usually 15 to 20 years after a fad, it becomes nostalgic again, almost any fad. And so now we are 25 years removed from the Buccaneers using those creamsicles, and now they're hip and trendy and cool again. And I find it so fun and so funny because as the Buccaneers released their hype video yesterday, there's Michael Evans wearing the creamsicles. And Mike Evans doesn't do like self-deprecating, ha-ha, I'm kind of dorky. Mike Evans only knows I'm cool. He doesn't really have the get it, this is kind of a joke type thing. He only does cool. And so they do this kind of 70s discotheque, disco ball unveil in the video. But Mike Evans is like wearing it as though it's tough, it's cool, it's slick, it's drip. And I'm like, how wild is this that I've lived long enough to see the day where we're rocking the creamsicles because they're badass. When in 1994, and Trent Dilfer and Eric Rett and Hardy Nickerson are wearing them, it's, we got to get out of these because they're so corny. Warren Sapp almost didn't play for the Buccaneers because he didn't want to wear the uniforms. He's like, those make you look so lame. And now we're doing the, damn, how good do I look? Oh, these are so fly. Oh, these are so nice. I'm like, this is great. This is just great. It's kind of like the Raptors dinosaur uniforms. In 1996, they're so ridiculous that it's an expansion team called the Raptors, which is an expansion basketball team named after Jurassic Park, the movie. And there's Damon Stoudemire with a cartoon dinosaur dribbling a basketball, and he's got basketball sneakers on. Like a dinosaur's wearing basketball sneakers. And at that time, it's this is crazy and loony. It's kind of like the Anaheim Mighty Ducks were going so crazy because we're expansion teams that were Devil Rays and Diamondbacks and Mighty Ducks and Raptors. And then at some point, it's don't look at me, we're hideous. And so we streamline those uniforms and the Raptors kind of go away from the the kids' stuff, and it's sleeker, more professional, more clean, more adult. And now, every so often, we dial back to the dinosaur uniforms, and guys are like, damn, this is so hot. This is so, I love it. <laughs> I'm like, oh, we've gone back to where these are cool now, because at one point, we were embarrassed to wear them. Big 12. Big 12 Media Days started yesterday, and the Big 12 preseason media poll is out. And the Texas Longhorns are the overwhelming favorite to win the Big 12 in their final season in the conference. 41 first-place votes. Kansas State coming in second with 14 first-place votes. Oklahoma got four, as did Texas Tech. TCU, which made the college football playoff last year despite not winning the conference, got three first-place votes. Oklahoma State got one. Texas has Quinn Ewers coming back, and Quinn Ewers maybe a sign of maturity, cut the mullet, slimmed down, apparently cut Chick-fil-A out of his diet. How dare you? 
They've also got all these guys coming back, the hog mollies of the offensive line. So Texas should be pretty, 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 pretty good. But you think I'm laying any cash on Texas to win something? How many times do we have to go into a season with big Longhorns expectations only to let them down? And how often do we have to see Steve Sarkeesian with those same big expectations let everybody down? This is the most common theme of Texas Longhorns football for the better part of 20 years now. Ever since Vince Young left the premises, big expectations little results. Here is Steve Sarkeesian's season-by-season win-loss record. 5-7, and 7-6, seven, 7-6, seven and 8-9, six, seven and six, seven and six, and 9-4, and 5-7, and 8-5. Unless 9 wins is winning the Big 12, Steve Sarkeesian would have to do something that he's never done before which is win his league. I just don't ever understand why so many college football media love Sark so much. I don't understand it. He is one of these guys that I suppose because every so often he diagrams a play that the media kind of fawns over, that they just get wooed by it. But Sark doesn't get nearly the doubt that he should. He gets the benefit of the doubt, which is bizarre to me. And Texas as a program consistently falls flat. And yet time and time again are chosen to do big things. I'm not falling for it. And this is amazing because the Longhorns have the brand. They've got the quarterback. Our commanding is probably going to play a handful of times. We had Dennis Dodd of the show earlier in the week from CBS Sports. And I thought... Actually, I take that back. It was not Dennis Dodd because we talked all Northwestern with Dennis Dodd. We had Phil Steele on the show. And Phil brought up the point when I thought I thought it was a good one. We'll see Ark Manning four times or less because if he plays four times or less, he gets to keep his year of eligibility. So that's what they'll more than likely do unless Ewers gets injured to give Ark a full year of eligibility moving forward. But to get him into the fray just a little bit. Ark Manning. Meantime, there's nothing interesting about Kansas State except that they won the conference last year. And the consistency of what Chris Kleiman has built, and we had Kleiman on the show yesterday, is just FCS mentality. Kleiman won four championships in five years at North Dakota State. And by year four, won the Big 12. And instead of coming back and them being the overwhelming favorites to win the Big 12, it's, of course, the splashy, sexy Texas Longhorns. I ain't buying it. I don't think UT is going to win this year's Big 12. I think it's a super interesting year. But remember, Texas and Oklahoma are getting everybody's don't let the door hit you on the way out effort. Every one of these schools can't stand Texas and Oklahoma leaving the Big 12. And while the Big 12 certainly steadied itself, there's still a lot of bad blood. So I don't think Texas is winning this league. I really don't. And I think Kansas State is getting disrespected 
by not being where Texas is. You should flip those two. You want to say Texas is the second best team in the conference, perhaps, but you don't you don't think that there's two or three conference losses in there by somebody that's using the Texas game as their as their Big 12 championship game. You got another thing coming. Nobody in the conference likes Texas anyway, but they certainly don't like them as they're leaving for the SEC. We're not going to get Bedlam after this year. We'll talk more about that coming up later on in the show. This week has been a series of interviews for the now-open executive producer job. Mraz is on vacation this week because why not take a week-long vacation before you end the job? (laughs) So... Next week, we will have Mraz back in the producer's chair. But that's going to be a farewell week. And then it's a whole new world. And who knows what that means? Who knows what the show looks like? Who knows if they even let us come back on the air? I don't know. I imagine we're back on the air, but just never know. After you lose a guy like the Thictator, what happens? It's the first day of the rest of our lives. And so I've said the D-Aliens have helped fuel us throughout all these time slots. And this is for real. When they hired me to do the overnight shift before we launched in January of 2013, they didn't know what they were going to get. They had an idea because they had heard me before. I had worked within the CBS radio company at Boston But they didn't know how it would sound at a national level. And the listeners to the Overnight Show gave us a lot of support and told the affiliates how much they enjoyed the show. And the affiliates told our bosses how much the show was embraced. And they said, there's something here. And then they moved us to evening, 6 to 10 Eastern time in the evenings, where Zach Gelb is now. And then again, the support of the listeners helped fuel us to the next shift, which was mid-mornings. Originally, it was 9 to noon Eastern time. And then ultimately to morning drive, two and a half, three years ago or something like that. I guess now longer, three and a half years ago. So I wanted to show my gratitude and say, well, why do we have to have a producer come from a traditional producer's role? Hell, Mraz was a sandwich artist before he was a producer. Maybe we'll find a needle in the haystack here. So we're doing a series of interviews over the course of this week with listeners that I want to see. Maybe they got some, maybe they got some juice. Maybe they got something. Remember the story of Avery from the Bay Area? Avery called up the show and had opened up a GoFundMe account to fund his flight to Bob's Bar. Now, in terms of execution, it didn't go great. He had $0 pledged to his GoFundMe account. (laughs) But that did not stop Avery because mere hours... Before the Bob's Bar show, the night before, he had finally booked a flight with his own cash, and he flew out to Bob's Bar. He slept at JFK Airport and then came to Bob's Bar and with nothing but a nickel and a dream, came to meet all of us. And it was at that point in time that I thanked Avery for the commitment to the show, this amazing show of loyalty. And I said, let let me know if I can ever do anything for you, Avery, because this was an amazing show of loyalty. And he said, well, 
Let me know how I can work for you guys. Oh, okay. Avery was very upfront. He wanted to work for the show. Avery is calling in right now from the Bay Area in California for his on-air interview. Avery, good morning. Good morning, Damon. How are you? I'm doing well, buddy. 4.15 Pacific time. Are you still up from last night, or have you woken up early for this phone call? I went to sleep a couple hours ago, and then woke up, but I'll go to sleep again. Now, on Twitter, you're known as 4K Worldwide. Is that your gaming handle? Correct. That's my brand I've built over on social media. Interesting. And what game are you most popular for playing? Apex Legends. I'm actually watching the ALGS Apex Legends Global Series as we speak. They're playing in London for $2 million right now. Is that right? Correct. Now, have you gotten close to playing for some cash playing this game? Yeah, they have tournaments for all kinds of uh, experience levels, and you can play online every day for a little bit of cash at a time. Okay. This is Apex Legends. Okay, so Avery in the Bay Area and Apex Legend himself. Once again, I thank you for flying out to Bob's Bar. That was amazing, and I'll always be a great grateful. I'll be very grateful that you always did that. That's That was very cool, but... Let's start with the interview. Do you have any background in radio or media? Um, yes, actually I do. Um, I used to own my own recording studio where we charged clients and engineered and recorded uh, music. Is that right? So you have some audio editing chops? Yeah, I also took a class as a pro introduction to Pro Tools 101 in music theory in uh, junior college. Okay, Pete, this is good. A background with some technical expertise. Yes, it would be nice to have someone with audio experience. Okay. Avery, why do you think you'd be a good fit on the DA show? Um, I'd be a good fit because uh, I also have experience in Twitch and broadcasting. So I'm a bit familiar with how it goes with live production, overlays and transitions and stuff like that. So some video expertise, you can assist Cap on that. Correct. Okay. Tell me what you would do differently than Mraz. Um, differently? Um, I'm not trying to do anything too different. I'm just trying to... I know my role, so I'm not going to step on any toes. Um, I actually personally think the position should go to somebody in-house. Uh, I was looking to fill that position, whoever, took, whoever stepped up from in-house, so I can learn everything behind the scenes first, so I can be well-seasoned. Okay. And finally, if you were part of the DA show or part of CBS Sports Radio, how would you make Pete the body's life easier? Um, I would make Pete's life easier because I was thinking of maybe um, a few segments and also doing a thing where I can bring in food for, for us maybe once a week or something and just rub it in Sean's face and he thinks he's the dictator. Oh, that's a nice idea. We like food around here. What what segments have you thought about for the show? Um, I watch or I listen to a lot of other sports shows, so I can always incorporate other things, as well as uh, different sports like eSport, um, F1, UFC, stuff like that. Okay, so bringing something a little different sports-wise, things that we don't normally talk about to the air. Yeah. And so you're saying that if 
a Pat Boyle got the job, a Connor Green, an EJ Stewart, one of these guys in-house, that you would like to take one of those guys' jobs if they got promoted. Correct. I would be happy to start from the bottom, cutting tape, and doing all that. And I also know how to pronounce players' names. So that's, I think, a great start. That's a good start. Did I hear a cat meow behind you? Yeah, sorry. Shadow is, uh, wants to say hi. Don't be sorry. You know I love Rosie the Cat. I love cats. Tell me about Shadow, boy or girl. Oh, oh he's a boy. He's very talkative. He's a, um, a gray short hair. Uh, what are they called? A uh, carrot? Interesting. I don't know. So how long have you had Shadow? Um, a few years, actually. Um, my parents were walking home or walking around the lake, and then uh, he actually started following them and started meowing at them, and now he's obsessed with me. Wow! Does Shadow watch you play Apex Legends? Oh, he's watching the tournament right now. Okay. Is he into it? Yeah, he's on my gaming chair. <laughs> okay. Well, Avery, once again, man, great, great show of support and loyalty for the show when you flew out to Bob's Bar and slept at JFK Airport. Thanks for calling in and, and throwing your hat in the ring. And uh, if things break your way, we'll be in touch, buddy. Thank you for the opportunity. Avery in the Bay Area. Okay, there's something to like there. A lot to like in terms of being humble. That's right. And understanding, you know, the process of wanting to learn the whole way up the ladder. That that's something that's that's that sticks in your head. That was a good pitch. A, he's got background expertise. B doesn't want this job, wants somebody to be promoted and then take over that job. Work his way up. Work his way up. That's impressive. Okay. Now, you'd have to relocate, but I think he's willing to do so. Well, he's really willing to pay his own money to come out through Bob's bar. Yeah. So yeah. I think he'd be willing to relocate for a job. Yeah. Okay. When we come back on the show, one of the most embattled head coaches in America, Neil Brown in West Virginia. He's the number one in everybody's hot seat list going into the year. I'm going to ask him about it. DA, CBS Sports Radio. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. 
Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is CBS. It's the DA Show on CBS Sports Radio. Welcome back to CBS Sports Radio, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us. Damon Amendolara, DA with you. Across hundreds of affiliates nationwide and also on Sirius XM, Channel 158. Big 12 media days are here, which means college football season has kicked off. And West Virginia head coach Neil Brown is entering his sixth season in, Mor- in Morgantown, the fifth season, rather, in Morgantown, coming off of last season's 5-7 and seven campaign. Joining us this morning here on the show is head coach of the Mountaineers, Neil Brown. Coach, good morning. Good morning. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. My pleasure. Thanks so much for joining us. You had a lot of success at Troy, three different double-digit win seasons, three straight bowl seasons, and what you did at Troy, everybody was super impressed by. So far, haven't been able to get that same level of success at West Virginia. What are you hoping to do to try to change uh, that level of success that you've had and try to get to the next level, which you were doing at Troy? Well, I think there, there's a multitude of reasons, on it. and the biggest thing is we've got to win close games here, you know, and uh, and we've got to be more consistent at the quarterback position. I think um, if you look at our tenure here, we, we've been up and down play at quarterback, and we've lost some close games, you know, and, and, I, and I say this is our record isn't what we want to be, but um, we've been very competitive, and we've just got to be able to finish these close games. This league is tough, man. The, mar- the margin for error is very, very small. And um, and I say it like this, in league games, um, everybody has the opportunity to beat everybody else. You know, And that's good news and bad news. Good news is you can win them all. Bad news is you can lose them all. And so what it comes down to is fourth quarter. And to win close games, you've got you've to win the turnover margin battle, and you've got to be able to score touchdowns in the red zone and hold your opponents uh, without scoring touchdowns and that's it sounds simple but that's kind of the recipe for winning in this league you have a crop of quarterbacks there in the spring the picture was murky today as we sit now in the summer mid-july do you feel confident that you will get better quarterbacking out of the guys that you have in that room yeah and and we've got two and we've made the decision to go athletic um, we haven't been overly athletic at that position until the end of last year. You know, Garrett Green started or um, played the, I think, all but two series versus Oklahoma and started the last two. We were able to beat Oklahoma here at home, and then we beat Oklahoma State on the road. And so, you know, that definitely helped us last year. And Garrett and, and Nico Marchio, who's a redshirt freshman, are competing for the job, and we feel really comfortable with those guys. Um their athleticism, their ability to make throws, leadership skills, um, both are proven winners. Um, and, and I think the, our belief in them was was shown by not going out and trying to get a, a quarterback in the portal. West Virginia head coach Neil Brown joins us ahead of the college football season. On almost every hot seat list, your name is going to pop up. Do you pay attention and do you feel pressure to to win and to to gain stability um with your position no i think everybody in this profession has pressure you know i don't i don't i mean look at what's happened this week you know i would have said pat fitzgerald um is uh one of the most stable uh coaching uh, positions in the country and now he's no longer the the head coach at northwestern which is unfortunate um but no i i'd 
I'm, I feel very fortunate to be able to do this for a living. You know, I've been involved in athletics um, for as long as I can remember, and I feel very fortunate. And so I don't, I don't necessarily feel pressure. I feel a sense of gratitude. And my biggest thing is, is we want to be better. You know, we want to be better. And, and there's a multitude of reasons why we're in the position we're in. But the, at, the, at the end of the day, we haven't been good enough. And we need to be better this year. And that's what our, our state deserves. That's what our fan base deserves. Our, our team's working toward that. And I firmly believe we'll be better. You know, we got, um, you know, our, in preseason poll, according to the Big 12 media, we're last. I can guarantee you we will not finish last in our league. We've got a much better football team than that. And, and we're anxious to go out and show it. Do the guys feel the same way? Do they do they pay attention to the preseason rankings and get angry about that? Yeah, they see it. I mean, it's on social media, so they see it. You know, they're not necessarily reading newspapers or reading magazines or listening to talk radio, but they see it on on social media, and so they know about it. It's not something – at the end of the day, we want to be our best version of ourselves. We're not really concerned about what the media does. You know, some of that just is laziness too. You know, like I sit here and look at – we've got almost 120 starts returning on our offensive line. Um, we've got a budding superstar at running back in C.J. Donaldson. We've got defensively, we've got all league defenders at, at each at each level. Sean Martin will be an all league defender at, at, on the defensive line. Lee Koba is one of the leading returning tacklers. I think he'll be an all league player at Mike, Mike linebacker. And Aubrey Burks is one of the best safeties, if not the best safety in our league. Um, and so um, we fell off last year. We didn't play as good a defense we did the first three years, and we're gonna we'll, we'll get that rectified. We're gonna play. Um, much better defense this year, and that that'll give us an opportunity to win. You mentioned Pat Fitzgerald. I would imagine that the news from Northwestern puts every head coach in college football on high alert about hazing and hazing culture inside the locker room. How have you tried to police that, and how do you move forward uh, as a coaching staff and try to eradicate things like that? Yeah, I think you bring it up. You know, obviously, we'll talk about it. Uh, this week, just because it's in the press, I think anytime there's there's hot butt hot button itch, issues, whether it's in athletics or politically, or um, you know, I think you bring them up because you know our, our job first and foremost is to educate, and there is no room for hazing. Um, I don't know the particulars of that case. Um, I know that in every interaction I've ever had with Pitts, Pat Fitzgerald, I leave very impressed, um, but I don't know anything about that. Um, you know, we simply we try to walk through the locker room every day after practice. You know, and you hope that eradicates some of it, and then you constantly educate. And you know, anytime you're in you're in charge of, you know, you're going to have approximately 120 players. Um, you know, in our building, which is football only, we'll have 400 plus people move through here every single day. Um, and it's hard to keep a, a pulse on all that. And so, I think the best thing you can do is educate, and you got to have a presence. So that's a really interesting point you bring up, and this is something that we debate on Sports Talk quite a bit, is debated on social media, and that is how much should a coach know, even if the coach can't know everything? And so how how do you walk that line between what you should know and what there's just no way for you to know happens in every second of every day? Well, I think the the, the nature of that question is just is difficult to to answer you know as it is is because you know i my rebuttal would be if you don't know how do you know you know what i mean it's so um there's just a lot there's a lot of moving pieces and i think what you try to do is you 
you try to instill a culture where whether it's the the leaders in, in each of your support areas, nutrition, strength conditioning, athletic training, equipment, et cetera, and the leadership within your football team, you try to establish a culture where um, when there's an issue, they come to you, you know, or they go to your chief of staff or they go to their superior and you're able to, um, and you're able to, to, to rid those problems. That's, that's, that's what you hope. Um, but there's no, there's no perfect scenario. You know, it, it takes one evil to, to erase, you know, a lot of good. And, and I think that as a leader, whether you're in college athletics, where you're as a CEO of a company, um, you know, I think those are, those are difficult things. And I don't, I don't sit here and have a, a perfect answer for it. Finally, this is a new look Big 12. Four new schools will enter. Two schools will have their final season, Texas and Oklahoma. And so what does it mean to you to see uh, a conference that has gone through and will be going through over the course of the season quite an evolution? Yeah, I think we're in a sense of, of power. We really are in a position of power right now. You know, I think that the league acted swiftly. Um, you know, Oklahoma and Texas, they've been good partners. I don't I don't think anybody's necessarily gonna. Uh, they're not gonna get a farewell tour by any means. You know, like it's kind of another game. We don't play Texas this year. We do play Oklahoma. So it's kind of another game on the schedule. Um, but we added four really good football teams that all had uh, draft picks last year. They've all been ranked in the top twenty in the country within the last two years. Uh, so this is a this is a quality football league that's only improved um, this year, and we think it's positioned well. And I think our, our commissioner, uh, Commissioner Yormark, is is a mover, and he's going to continue to put our league in a position where we'll continue to be successful for years to come. Do you feel uh, any responsibility within the athletic department to have a good season because of the tumultuousness of what's happening in the basketball department? I think the I think you want to have a good season regardless. I don't think it has anything to do with basketball. You know, I think there's um, those those things have been have been well documented, but I don't think it affects us. We're, we're, we're across campus. And so our guys are kind of focused on getting ready for fall camp and then fall camp, we'll get ready for the season and, and be ready to play. And our guys will be prepared. And, and we have every intention to have a, a really successful football season and a, and a season that our, that our fans will be excited about and we'll celebrate in the postseason somewhere. Neil Brown is joining us here on the show. West Virginia head coach as the Mountaineers of the big 12, are in the middle of media days for the conference. Coach, I appreciate the time. Best of luck this season. Thank you. Yep, thank you. Okay, remember that, everybody. Neil Brown saying we will not finish last in this conference. We will not finish last. That's the fighting words of the Mountaineers this season. More on the Big 12 as we make our way through the morning. Right now, headlines with Andrew Bogish. DA, the Damian Lillard updates keep coming. Maybe the Heat almost have enough to give the Blazers for the unhappy guard, but maybe trade talks will continue deep into the regular season. Nobody knows more about trading for and trading away star players than Nets GM Sean Marks, so he was asked about Portland's plight yesterday on Sirius XM NBA Radio. It's not easy, but I think you, you, you have to look at it and say, okay, what's the best thing for the franchise moving forward? Um, you know, and I think it's never quite as bad as what people make it out to be, and it's never probably as good as what, you know, you know the, uh, the media or speculation makes it out to be, too. You know what's going on inside your house, and you manage that. 
Blazers GM Joe Cronin has said he'll be as patient as possible, needing to make the best trade for the franchise. LeBron won the ESPY last night for a best record-breaking performance for breaking Kareem's scoring mark. In his acceptance speech, he humbly told us he's not retiring yet (laughs) after opening the door slightly for that following the Lakers' playoff exit. LeBron becomes the sixth player ever to play 21-plus NBA seasons when that next season begins. And lastly, from the NBA, signs a two-year $60 million extension with the Celtics, whom just traded for him. Now makes 96 mil over the next three seasons. The Washington Post says there are some legal hang-ups that could delay the close of the commander's sale to Josh Harris. Among the issues are these John Gruden emails and the legal ramifications of leaking them to the media. For now, NFL owner is supposed to vote on the sale at meetings next week in Minneapolis. A Saquon Barkley update yesterday from ESPN. As we already knew, Barkley doesn't want to play the franchise tag, and Monday is the deadline for an extension for tagged players. So, without a long-term deal... Barkley's week one status would reportedly be in jeopardy. If you're not listening to one of the 30-plus Giants podcasts out there, <laughs> the team has apparently offered Barkley a contract averaging $13 million a year, while Barkley keeps refuting the idea he wants 16 mil annually. U.S. men's soccer is out of the Gold Cup, losing its semifinal in San Diego with Panama on penalty kicks last night. The kick in Van Halen's now face Mexico in the final on Sunday <laughs> in Vegas. Uh, we've got some golf-slash-soccer news now. Jordan Spieth, Justin Panama. Thomas, investing with the 49ers oh. group that is about to take over English club Leeds United. WNBA last night, the Aces now 19-2 and after dropping the Sparks 97-78. And we're about to get some British bacon, some tennis puns this Woo-hoo! morning. Because the Wimbledon women's semifinals about to start. Elena Zvitalina and Marketa Vondrosova. Our first, mm. then it's on Jabor against Arena Sabalenka. DA, back to you. Squishy Liquid tweets in when I first heard about it, I was like, bacon for tennis? I don't follow tennis at all. Then I remembered I don't follow hockey at all, and that never stopped me from enjoying bacon. Get them, baking. Hashtag toast them. Mm. When we come back, the first ever British bacon, it's pucks with boil, pucks and plonks. No, it's not pucks at all. No. It's puns Mm. and plonks from London. Next, DA, CBS Sports Radio. Hashtag toast them. The sizzle of the best goals. Sing us a song. You're the overtime ending man. The saltiness of the best games. Because we're having a good time. Having a good time. We crave the nightly action of the Stanley Cup playoffs. That's a hockey, you know. It's only, it's only game. Why do you have to be mad? He's a good guy. It's your morning serving of Canadian bacon. Only on the DA Show. But today it's British bacon. Pat Boyle, take it away. All right, DA. We take a hop, skip, and a jump across the pond to the All England Tennis Club in the Greater London area where the fine lads and lasses are sipping on their bubbly. They're dousing their strawberries with the most divine cream in all the land. They're knocking boots in the private rooms on the outskirts of the tennis garden. 
Everybody's wearing white, putting shame to Michael Rubin's grandiose parties. And of course, at centre court, 128 men and women have been reduced to four on each side. The Wimbledon semi-finals is set, so let's have a shag, yeah? We start with the final two women's quarterfinal matches yesterday. Not a good day for the lone remaining American, Madison Keys, when she went to turn on the ignition, hot and fresh out of the kitchen. It stalled. She couldn't unlock the big forehand yesterday as she broke down and the wheels fell off against the world number two, Arena Sabalenka. The Belarusian was rushing off to a hot start with a double break lead in the first set. Then Madison spent the second set searching for the keys to victory, but to no avail. Sabalenka drove right through her for a 6-2, 6-4 win. Who will she meet in the semis? The other quarter was a popcorn match, as the Brits liken it. A rematch of last year's Wimbledon final, pitting the defending champion Elena Rybakina versus Anz Jabeur. Last year, Jabeur became the first Arab and Muslim woman to reach a major singles final, as well as the first woman from Africa to do so as well. And the Tunisian had a set point in the first set, but Rybakina turned the lights off on Anz. Stuffing set point before winning the opener in a tiebreak. However, after that, Jabeur started to pour her heart on the floor and she started cooking like she was making soup du jour. Anz won a tight second set and then Jabeur would soar in the third, dancing her way on the floor to victory. After the match, Jabeur said she was at war with her team but stuck to her chores. I kept uh, yelling at my coaches like, you told me to play like this, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, look what's happening, you know? Uh, but then, you know, I, I really tried to, to get back in the zone and uh, believe that this plan is the plan, you know? And uh, kept going. Uh, and I think I'm gonna end up writing a book about my emotions because this is <laughs> unbelievable. Rebakina was off while Jabeur said, turn me on, turn me on, let me hold you. Meanwhile, we also had the final two men's quarters yesterday in the one match. It was world number one, Carlos Alcaraz, the 20-year-old phenom looking for his first Wimbledon semifinal. He took on a fellow 20-year-old rising superstar, world number six, Holger Runa of Denmark. Well, it was fairly straightforward. Carlitos pulled the rug out from Runa, put him in a choke Holger, and Alcaraz sent him to Alcatraz with a straight sets victory. And the other match, world number three, Daniil Medvedev. He won the U.S. Open two years ago, but has never been to a semifinal at Wimbledon. In his way, the Cinderella story of Wimbledon. The last American man, Chris Eubanks, who was ranked outside the top 100 just four months ago. Medvedev won the first set, but Eubanks did not want the clock to strike midnight just yet. So using a giant serve that touches 140 miles an hour, Eubanks took the second set to the bank and then cashed in for the third set as well. He was moving way better on the grass than Mraz does mowing the lawn, and he was mowing down the Russian. But Medvedev's nickname is the Bear, and he was feeling grisly with his back against the wall. So he put his big paws on Eubanks and emptied out his checking account, winning the fourth set in a tiebreaker. It was one-way traffic in the final set as the clock did indeed strike midnight, and Eubanks was transformed into the proverbial pumpkin. Victory was as sweet as pie for Medvedev, but after the match, Chris Eubanks said he's enjoyed the ride. Where I end up, I end up. But I think at this point, especially considering the fact that I spent five years hovering in that 220 to... 150 range and playing so many challengers it's like man at this point it's, it's just a cherry on top i'm just enjoying myself i'm having a great time 
You could say he is feeling good and doing well. You could surmise that Chris is feeling alive and he's having a good time. Having a good time. And why not? He just made $430,000 at Wimbledon and has already made over a million this year. I think it's fair to say that Eubanks is headed to the bank. And when he gets there, they'll say, hey, 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 baby, I got your money. Don't you worry. I say, hey, baby, I got your money. Don't you worry. Finally, today, in less than an hour from now, the women's semifinals kick off with a matchup that nobody could have predicted. Marketa Vondrusova of the Czech Republic taking on Alina Svitolina of Ukraine, who just had a baby back in October and only came back to the tour three months ago. She gave birth nine months ago and has now given birth to one of the best patches of her career. Svitolina trying to channel her inner Thumbelina, a tiny girl with a big heart who encountered toads, moles, and cockchafers in her adventures. Svitolina with a much tougher challenge than little Thumbelina. She has a war-struck and impoverished country on her back. As she said, it means the world to see Ukraine rally around her. There was many videos also on the internet where the kids uh, are watching on their phones. Uh, and, uh, you know, this really... Uh, makes my heart melt uh, seeing this and, you know, just happy I could bring little happiness to, to people of Ukraine. Svitolina looking for more Grina. She'll have to play Mina in search of her first slam final. <laughs> Vondrusova is in search of her second. And that is your British bacon. Okay, okay, okay. No grading yet. No grading until after the commercial break, but... <laughs> A Wimbledon tennis clap wow for that performance we will do the grading of the oinks the analysis of the first ever british bacon coming up on the top side of the hour here but you just heard history that was a the first time we've ever done a non-hockey bacon here and b the first time i've actually paid attention to wimbledon so <laughs> <laughs> Everybody wins. I generally kind of know what's happening, but that's the first time I've heard something that I've actually wanted to listen to. So great job by Pat when we come back. The grading and the analysis. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with h track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. 
Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 